All right. Good morning, True Life. Hey, would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests and visitors this morning? Can we put our hands together? We're glad you're here. It's going to be an awesome day, man. Excited about it. It's going to be a, be a good day. And um, hope that you're, uh, especially if you were here over the last couple of weeks and you've been a part of this baggage series so far, if you haven't, I, I strongly encourage you to go on our website or to the podcast and and take a listen to the last couple of weeks. Um, last week in particular, I was really just blown away by the response, the number of people who um, came forward for prayer and just watched God do some some really cool stuff. So, hey, I hope you're living free. I hope you lived free this week and um, that the baggage of guilt has not been on you or been a part of your life. If you don't know what I'm talking about right now, hit, hit the website, give it a listen. It'll help you. And uh, it's going to be great. And today we're going to talk about relational baggage, baggage that comes from some of the, the wounds that we get in relationships. But before we do that, I've got, to, I've got something really important that I've got to share with you. And, uh, it, and it really is be, it's because of last week. I, I really tried to give you a, a good Cecil County joke last week, and it just didn't work. It was, uh, it was kind of lame, honestly. I went back and listened to the recording, as I do every week, and, and kind of critique. And it was just really cheesy. So... Uh, if you guys will give me some grace, I want to try again. I think I've got a better one this week. Could that that'd be all right? All right. So, um, and uh, if you live in Cecil County, you just got to get used to this, all right? Because we just poke fun. So I used to live there, and I grew up in the middle of a cornfield in the Midwest. So I've I've earned the right to make fun of rednecks, and um, and so we just talk about Bubba a lot, who who lives in Cecil County. But this 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 is actually kind of sad. I got to tell you that that uh, that Bubba died, and um, and. Uh, natural causes, and, um, and, and he, he choked on a catfish. And, um, but Bubba died, so his wife calls into the Cecil Wig, and, a, and a, a woman named Marie, she answers the phone at the Cecil Wig, and his wife says, uh, is this that the obituary department? And she said, yes, this is the obituary department. She says, I need to place one of those death notices in the newspaper. And, and she says, okay, that's, Marie said, that's fine. Uh, uh, Mrs. Bubba, what do, you, what, what do you want it to say? And, uh, and she said, well, just, just put in the paper, uh, Bubba died, services Sunday. And, uh, and Marie said, well, well Mrs. Bubba, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about, about Bubba dying. He was a, he was a, he was a nice man. And, but you need to know that, that you can say anything you want. The obituaries are, they're free. You can, you can say more than that if you want to. Is there anything else you'd like to add to Bubba died, services Sunday? And she was quiet for a second. She thought about it. She said, Okay, add this, bass boat for sale. <laughs> so, I don't care what you say, that's better than last week's. <laughs> uh, bass boat for sale. All right. <laughs> so, we've been trying to bring a little bit of freedom, a little bit of liberty to people's lives through this series uh, about baggage. And, and if you were here in week one, I talked about how uh, I think all of us tend to be one of two kinds of people. Either you're a destination person or you're a journey person. Some people like the journey of traveling and getting to where you're going. Other people just want to get, like I talked about, I'm a destination guy. I don't like the airport. I don't like the car ride. I, I want to get where I'm going and enjoy it. The, the thing about living for God is that we know the destination is going to be really, really good. Eternity with our Lord and Savior. And, and, and that's, that's going to be awesome. The problem is a lot of us are really not enjoying the journey to get there because we've accumulated so much baggage that we're carrying and life has become difficult. And so what I really hope is happening for you during this series is you're laying down some baggage and the journey is becoming a little bit more enjoyable. And I don't, 
I'm not one of these people that thinks that following God is always easy. In fact, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to take up your cross, and there's going to be some times that it's difficult. But I also am not one of these people that buys into this idea that following Christ is supposed to be depressing and horrible and sad and and full of suffering. I think that God wants us to... Jesus said, I came that you might have life, and that life more abundantly, or some translations say that you would live life to the full. And so I, I want you to be able to enjoy the journey. I want you to have some fullness in your life. And today is probably the most serious out of all of these because I think it's it's what most of us probably deal with the most out of all of these different areas of baggage, and that's the baggage that comes from relationships. I just want to do a, a little survey this morning. How many uh, in the room, show of hands, have ever experienced a broken bone? Anybody? Just raise your hand. You've broken a bone. I have a, a broken ankle once. Didn't feel good. Um, all right. How, uh, put them down. How about... Um, how many of you have ever had more than 30 stitches? More than 30 stitches. Anybody? Just a couple. Just a couple people. All right. So that's bad. You don't want to do that. I'm scared to ask this next one. I'm going to anybody. Anybody here ever suffered a knife wound? Anybody? Oh, my gosh. I hope it was self-inflicted. Otherwise, I don't want to be around you. Knife wounds. How many? Has anybody here ever suffered a gunshot wound? Show of hands. Okay, I feel a little safer now. You're a liar. Put your hand down. <laughs> I'd help you get saved, but we need you to play guitar. All right. Uh, I have never suffered a gunshot wound, but I, I will say I have inflicted one on someone. Um, and uh, I, was, I was probably about 14 years old, and my brother's five years younger than me. He was just at the right age to do whatever I told him to. And I really wanted to have target practice with my new BB gun. <laughs> so I, I, I had these model airplanes that I had built that I used for target practice. I sent him out to the middle of the yard and I said, put your arm out and hold the airplane out there. I promise I'll hit the airplane and not you. <laughs> that did not work. I shot him. I flat out, I shot my own brother. I shot him. And I never, I, in December, I was home with my mom and I finally got my BB gun back. I'm 33. I just got, I just got it back for shooting my, and I called my brother. I said, boy, I got the gun back. You better not mess with me. <laughs> right. Let me ask this. Anybody here ever been wounded in service to our country, military or, or uh, firefighter, police officer? Anybody here ever, ever suffered any wounds in that? Okay, good. I'm glad. I do know that we have some service people in our church, and, uh, and so to you, I would just say thank you very much for, for what you do, and, and uh, yeah. Now, we sent out an invitation today, and we, we honestly, we didn't plan this well, um, because we didn't think about it being the, the weekend of Community Day, so what we'll probably do is just re-up this invitation for next week, um, but do we have anybody from Newark Police Department that came today to hang out with us, other than our, our officer who does security? No. Okay. So here's, uh, uh, this is actually good. This gives us a chance to prepare. What we're going to do is send this email out again. We invited the entire police department to come hang out at one of our services because we wanted to respond to the stupidity that happened on the University of Delaware campus last Monday night. And uh, where, where a very small number of students were chanting explicative the police um, after a, a party got broke up. And 
And uh, you can see it on YouTube, and it was, it was ridiculous. It's embarrassing. And um, I hope that none of you were a part of that. If you were, you can meet me behind the building after service, and we're going to talk about it. And uh, <laughs> just a nice, friendly little chat, I promise. And um, so, so what we did is we thought, man, we want the police officers to know, number one, that there is a, a community, a church community that loves them, and we appreciate the fact that they, they put themselves in harm's way every single day. Uh, but number two, we thought, we've got a lot of college students who we know aren't representative of what happened Monday night, and they would probably like an opportunity to stand up and get rowdy and cheer and show some love to people who got disrespected and just kind of set the record straight. Would you all be down with that? So, so what we'll do is we'll re-up the invitation for next week. We've gone out and bought, we bought several hundred dollars worth of uh, Dunkin' Donuts gift cards, and we've got several businesses donated um, um, uh, dollar-off coupons to, what is it, Janelle, Yoga Berry? Yeah, uh, we got some other gift cards to give away. We got a whole bunch of bags of coffee to give away, and, uh, and so we just wanted to bring some police officers in and just honor them, let them know we love them, and uh, so next week, we'll try to make that happen again, and you all just got to be ready to bring it, all right, get loud and rowdy when we, even if it's just two guys, even if it's just the guy we pay to be here, we'll bring him up on stage next week, and he's going to get hooked up, all right? So, um, so just, be, just be ready for that, all right? Uh, he's like, I'm going to schedule myself again next week. I will be back. <laughs> all right, so we're going to honor them. You know, people have been wounded in, in lots of different ways. My, my father was wounded while in service to our country in the military, and uh, we have a great grandfather on my on my wife's side who is actually in life there's a picture of him in life magazine at the at the batan am i saying it right batan death march and uh and so just lots of history and and so lots of different ways that we can get physically wounded and hurt anyone who's ever experienced a wound probably especially if it was a, a cut or in fact i've got one on my thumb right here you can't see it but we had had a really bad storm come through um, our neighborhood where I was growing up, and I was probably 14, 15 years old, knocked a whole bunch of tree limbs down, and so I thought, I'm going to be a good kid, help my parents start cleaning up. I grabbed a big bow saw and headed out to the backyard and, and started cutting up the limbs that were down and chopping them up so that they'd be small enough to, to throw away. Well, I was holding a branch like this, sawing, and I don't know if I hit a knot in the wood or what, but the saw just popped up in the air. It came down across my thumb, and, uh, and I didn't know how bad it was at first. We ended up going to the hospital. I ended up on a 14-year-old thumb. They managed to fit 15 stitches right across my, and I've still got a scar. I mean, it just kind of looks like a, a road map there, but, but you know, scars are, are something that remind us that even though that was a painful event, you, you can heal from it. In fact, most physical wounds you probably will heal from, and that scar exists to remind you of what had happened. But the, the, here's the issue. When we get wounded in the heart, emotional pain can hurt far deeper and far longer than any physical wound we ever experience. And I think many times we, we, just, we start to suppress it and we just start to accept the fact that we don't think it'll ever actually heal. Whatever that relational wound was, whatever that emotional wound was, we start to just accept the fact that it'll always be there and it will probably never heal. Emotional pain can hurt and keep hurting. And I think probably everybody in this room, if we were to go around and ask every single person, probably every person in this room could talk about a time that they've been wounded in the heart somehow 
by someone. Maybe you had a, a relational disappointment. Maybe you had a relationship that didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. You had it all mapped out in your head and, and you thought it was going to be the best friendship ever or the best romantic relationship ever. And things just took a turn and, and maybe you had trust broken and, and something happened and it messed with you. Maybe you've dealt with tragedy. And I, I know back in December, we lost my stepdad, who I was very close to. And, uh, and, and I got to be honest with you, I, it, it hurt more than I thought it would. And uh, I even flying out there, I, I had a feeling that I knew where this was going and had some time even to prepare myself, spending a week in the hospital, watching things get worse and worse. And even with that time to kind of try to prepare my mind and my heart for the, those emotions, it, it hurt a little bit more than I even thought it would. Some of you have, have maybe lost a child, uh, a, a miscarriage or, or, or something horrific, some sort of tragedy. Some of you have lost a marriage. You'd plan to be with somebody for the rest of your life, and it didn't work out. Uh, I can relate to those of you who you grew up maybe with some abuse going on. You, you grew up in an abusive situation, and, and so you're still trying to unpack all that and, and figure that out. And so a lot of us are carrying wounds. A lot of us are carrying baggage. And everybody has some kind of story that they could probably tell. Here's the thing about it this morning, and I need you to hear me say this. Few of us deal with it correctly. Very few of us handle relational baggage correctly. Many think time will let it heal. That's what we tell ourselves, right? Time heals all wounds. We've all heard that saying. Do you know that the scriptures actually say that that's not true? That in, that in fact, oftentimes if you don't, if you don't dress the wound, if you don't handle it correctly, time actually makes it worse. And, and so many of us, we're, we're telling ourselves that lie. I'll just, get, just put more time. Time will make it better. Time will heal the wound. And time is actually making it worse. The Bible says that undressed wounds actually get worse with time. And, and so today what I want to do is I want to look at a story in Scripture that, that uh, you, some of you have probably read it before. Uh, but it's oftentimes overlooked. It's just a few uh, passages of Scripture in Genesis about a man who, who almost nobody talks about. We talk about his son all the time. Everybody knows who Abraham is. He's the father of the Israelite nation. Everybody knows Abraham, but few know Terah, who was Abraham's father. But here's what I want to say to you this morning. God thought, even though it was just a few Scriptures, He thought it was significant enough to put in Scripture. And I don't think God puts anything in the Bible on accident. I think everything that we have in Scripture is God-ordained. It's, it's divine inspiration. And it's there for a reason for us to learn from. So I want to I start out in Genesis chapter 11, verse 27. And, and let's just read this, this story quickly here. It says, this is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, who later became Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran was the father of Lot. Everybody knows who Lot is. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth. And take note of this. While his father, Terah, was still living. Now, I already mentioned, I, we've dealt with a lot of loss in our family. I think we've done, uh, all of our family, like 12 funerals in the last 10 years. Um, we just had another, an uncle pass away like this last weekend. And, and loss... Loss is painful. Loss hurts. I think there's a completely different kind of loss that happens when a parent has to lose a child. I mean, it's just, it's not the same. It, there, there's something, even though losing a, as a child, for me to lose a parent or a father figure, even though that's painful, I can't imagine 
the, the pain that would be associated with the roles being reversed. It almost doesn't even seem right that a parent might sometimes have to lose a child. And yet, the Bible tells us that Terah lost his son. His son dies while he's still living. So let's, let's skip ahead a couple verses to chapter 11, verse 31. It says, One day Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, who, who later becomes Sarah, that's his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed toward the land of Canaan. Now, let me tell you what's significant about Canaan. Canaan is modern-day Israel. It was the promised land. So, so something happened for Terah. We don't, we don't know what it was. We can make some assumptions here. Something happened to call Terah out of Ur and toward Canaan. So, so let's read on. It says, but they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 200. This is probably the saddest scripture in Bible. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. So something happens that Terah packs up his family and says, we're leaving where we've been and we must go to Canaan. But somewhere between Ur and, and uh, did I say that right? Yeah, somewhere between Ur and the land of Canaan, the promised land, they come upon a city that just happens to have the same name as his dead son. And the Bible doesn't give us any explanation. They just stop. And then, and then you've got maybe one of the, the saddest scriptures in the Bible. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to hypothesize. And I, I'm not teaching you any theology here. I'm just saying that there's a possibility that exists. And I think it's a very real possibility that, you know, Abraham went on to become the father of his, the Israelite nation. Is it possible that that original calling was on his father? Because something happened to make him pack up his family and move to the land of Canaan. But he came upon this town with the same name as his dead son and he stopped. He stopped and, and, and lived there the rest of his life and died. We never hear about him again in scripture. Something happened to call Terah out of Ur and to Canaan. Is it possible the original call to establish this nation of Israel was on Terah before it was on Abraham. And, and like I said, we're, we're kind of guessing here. We're making some assumptions because the scripture doesn't tell us. But personally, I think it's possible. I think it's possible that this calling was on Terah before it was on Abraham. But he couldn't get over the wound of losing his son. And when he came to this city that happened to have the same name as the son he lost, I just wonder if it was more than he could bear. And he stopped. And he never got past the baggage, never got past the emotional wounds. 205 years and death. That's his story. 205 years and death. And I think there are those of us here in this room today that maybe you're stuck in the place of your deepest wound. The divorce, the abuse, the bully from school, the teacher who didn't see any value I can, I can talk about bullies. I got brave and bowed up on a bully one time, and it did not go well. I ate pavement. <laughs> it came home with a, but I will say is the one time I, I learned what the heart of a father was about. I came home, my dad saw that, and he tore out the front door because he knew where that kid lived. 
Whew. I was like, get him, Dad. You go. <laughs> you go get him. Big black eye. I had a teacher in middle school, man. He was a, uh, my first gym coach. And he would, he would just say all the time, you're not, you're not going to be nothing. You're not going to amount to anything. You're one of the worst students I've ever... And some of us have had those things happen in our lives, and it created some emotional wounds, some, some relational baggage. And I, just, I think there are probably some of us in this room today who maybe through a series of events, you've had emotional baggage pile up on you, relational baggage pile up on you, and you are stuck in the place that reminds you of your deepest wound, and you can't move forward. You, God has called you to do something better. He's called you to do something greater. He's got this great vision, this great picture, this great plan for your life, but you're stuck in the place of the wound. And you've never dressed it. You've never gotten healthy, and it's keeping you from, from moving forward. I want to show you three things from this story that I think happen in relational wounds. I, I want to show you what relational baggage will do to you. And the first thing is, I think it keeps us from our potential. Relational baggage keeps us from our potential. It's in your notes. If you want to write it down, I strongly encourage you to do so. Or you can, if you've got a, a, a smartphone, you can, you can hop on version and go to the live events. It's right there. Relational baggage will keep us from our potential. You will never... I, I know this is kind of a harsh thing to say, but it's just true. You will never get where you're supposed to go until you deal with it. You just won't. You will never get to the place God has called you to until you deal with the relational baggage. People make bad decisions when when they've been wounded. When you're sitting around holding wounds and you're hurt, and you've not dressed the wound, and you've not... You've not gone through the process of healing and allowed God to step in and minister to you in that area. I think you actually have a tendency to get a little bit crazy. Like wounded, anybody ever been around a wounded dog that's backed into a corner? It's one of the most dangerous animals on the face of the planet is a wounded dog. Because it just makes you lash out. It makes you crazy. Look at Psalm chapter 73 verse 21. It says, then I realized that my heart was bitter And I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. This is David talking to God. Let me read it again. Because this is where some of us are right now. I realized that my heart was bitter. I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. Let me just use that scripture to preface what I think is the most important thing I'll say to you through this whole message. And it's this. When the enemy attacks you, when he's attacking your marriage, your friendships, your kids, he's not just trying to ruin the relationship. What he's actually trying to do is derail you from your purpose. Write it down if you need to. It's the most important thing I'll say to you today. When the enemy is attacking you, whatever the thing is he's attacking, that's not the thing. The thing is he's trying to derail you from your purpose. He's trying to keep you from being able to pursue whatever it was that God originally intended for you to do. And he's trying to weigh you down with so much baggage that you stop moving. You just freeze up. You, go, you, you become frozen and still and silent. You stop pursuing all of the things that God put in your heart. You stop believing that he can use you. Because he's not attacking the thing. He's trying to derail you from your purpose. 
The second thing I think that relational baggage does to us is it pollutes our other relationships. It pollutes our other relationships. If you've been around a wounded person, you know all about this. You love them, and you know down deep that they love you, but they just don't know how to have a relationship without messing it up. You ever been around that? You've you got somebody, and you're trying to love them. You really do love them, and you know they love you, but they just don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. And so it's like they're just destined to mess up the relationship, to break the relationship. It happens. Maybe you're the person that's hurt, and you always seem to ruin every relationship with the people you actually love. Every time somebody gets close to you that you care about, and you really think, this is it, I finally got a relationship with someone that matters. I finally got a friendship that maybe will go for the long haul. You're actually the one that you find yourself doing something to push people away, and you didn't even mean to. It's not even what you wanted. It's not what you intended. It's because there's a wound. There's some sort of baggage attached to you that you haven't dealt with yet. Look at Hebrews 12, 15. It says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Hebrews 12, 15 says, a bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. Did you catch that? A bitter spirit is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. There's three things that polluted relationships do to us. Number one, it it makes us defensive. It makes us defensive. Number two, it makes us distant. It makes us put everything, we, we set up these barriers and these walls around all of the relationships in our lives and we keep people at a distance. The other thing that it can do, because when we're carrying around wounds and relational baggage, it causes insecurity to rise up in us, and so it makes us demanding. We actually will start to put uh, requirements on people to be in our lives, to be in our friendships, to be in our circle of the circle of trust, to, to be in our to be in that circle that they're not realistic. Nobody could ever live up to them. Why? Because there's some wound that we're trying. We're trying to keep everybody in a place where they can never. And so we, we, we make our demands so grand that nobody would ever have a shot at them. And it's a, actually, it's a sign of extreme insecurity. Relational baggage pollutes our other relationships. The third thing I think relational baggage does is it destroys our relationship with God. Over time, it will destroy your relationship with God. Our relationships with people, check this out, listen to this. Our relationships with people are inseparable from our relationship with God. And so when we carry relational baggage around with us, it's breaking our horizontal relationships. It's keeping us from being able to connect with people the way that God wants us to. And I would just say to you that that the horizontal relationships and the vertical relationship, they're absolutely interconnected. And so you can't be in a place where you don't genuinely love and care about people and be in in, in a right relationship with God. Because the one thing he says is that he loves people. So you can't be in love with God and not love what he loves. He loves people. Come on, that's a good place for an amen, somebody. We've got we've to get the horizontal and the vertical working together. You cannot love God and not love people. I, in fact, I would say that oftentimes the horizontal determines the vertical. 
And maybe, you, maybe you've, you've accepted Christ into your heart. You've got a relationship with him. And, and, uh, but for some reason, you just feel like you're spinning we, your wheels and there's been no spiritual growth. You don't feel God's presence in your life. It doesn't feel like he talks to you. It doesn't feel like there's any movement in your relationship with God. If that's where you're at today, I would encourage you, I would strongly encourage you to look at your horizontal relationships because oftentimes what I think God will do is he'll kind of, he'll, he'll wait until we deal with some of the horizontal stuff and get it cleared up before that vertical relationship begins like it, to feel like it's really coming to life. The horizontal and the vertical are interconnected. It's the reason some of us aren't able to connect with God is because we have unsettled relational baggage. Mark eleven twenty five says, but when you're praying first, everybody say first, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against. Uh-oh. So that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. In other words, this is almost like Jesus is saying, hey, before you come to me, you got to deal with that. Before you, before you bring it here, you gotta, you got to deal with the broken relationships in your life. And you, you can't hold grudges. You can't be dealing with unforgiveness and then come to me. It won't work. Matthew 6, 12, and 14, it's, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's, it's so important. It's in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So important, guys. Because it affects, if you're carrying around relational baggage today, I'm telling you, it is affecting you and God. Does it mean God doesn't love me? Absolutely not. Does it mean I've run out of his grace? Absolutely not. Does it mean I should be feeling guilty? Absolutely not. We talked about that last week. But I'm just telling you, it's putting distance between you and God. And if we don't deal with the relational wounds, that distance between us and God will start to feel farther and farther and farther and farther away. You've got to settle the horizontal for the vertical to work. And here's the big thing. You've actually, I know this is kind of heavy today, but, the, but if you're carrying relational baggage, here's the, this is the big trick to the whole deal. You actually got to be willing to go there. You've got to be willing to go to that place, to that person where the wound started and deal with it. Because if you're not willing to go there, it'll, in fact, we had a, there was a guy I used to, I was doing some work with trying to bring up through some leadership in ministry. And, uh, and, and he had had some relational wounds in the church before and, and just a lot of distrust of church leadership and of pastors. And I would actually mess with him. I would say, hey man, I love you. And he couldn't say it back to me. I mean, I really did. And so I'd hug on him. I'm like, man, I love you. He hated that. <laughs> and it was, honestly, it was because, and, and this distrust, ultimately, in this case, unfortunately, it didn't work. That, that person ended up, we ended up parting company and, and, and they couldn't be a part of ministry with us. Because in our church culture, we've just decided we're going to have healthy relationships. And when, and when things aren't going right, we're going to address the issue. We're going to handle it in a healthy, life-giving way. We're going to get it fixed, and we're going to move on. And, and, and so I used to mess with him, man. I'd be like, hey, I love you. He'd be like, oh, okay, thanks. I'm like, no, say it back to me. I love you. And he'd be like, oh, you too. No, no, no. I want to say, I want to hear you say, I love you. Because we've got to be willing to go there, church. Like, in fact, I think that's a, that's a really 
great way to measure where you're at maybe on some, some relational baggage stuff. How many people in your life are you willing to look in the eyes and say, hey, hey I love you. I care about you. I love you. Every single one of our lead team, I can look them in the eyes and say, hey, guys, I, I, I love you. Like Joel and Janelle, Brian and Lindsay, Alex and Kate, Kevin, Jeff and Kristen Brown, Jessica. I can, I can look every single one of these people in the face because they're, that's my, like these guys are my family. They're my family. And I can tell you, let me just tell you, I had to walk through this because years ago, I probably couldn't go there. In fact, I had been wounded through some relationships in the local church and in ministry to a place where I was like, eh, I'm good with just like my wife and my family and the rest of y'all can do whatever. And God had to work on my heart. I had to be willing to go there. I had to be willing to revisit those issues where those initial wounds were created. And I had to be willing to put myself back in a place where, where guess what? We won't always be happy with each other all the time. But we're not going to let it turn into baggage. We're going to go there. We're going to deal with it. I've sat down with people in our church and made them sit face to face. And I said, we're going to sit here until y'all can hug on each other. We're going to figure it out. Because we've got to be willing to go there. To go. I didn't plan on spending that much time on that, but that's for somebody today. You've got to go there. Psalm 147 verse 3 says this. How, how do we begin the healing process? How do we deal with the, the, the relational wounds that we're feeling with? Psalm 147 3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. So we've got to go to God. Let me take you back to our theme, our theme verse for this series, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds. Now that word strongholds, it should be underlined in your notes. If it's not, underline it. Because that is the biblical word for what this series is called, baggage. The strongholds represent baggage. So we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the baggage of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And so here's what I want to tell you. The only way to get the baggage off of you is to change the way you think. The only way to get relational baggage off of you is to have the Holy Spirit help you change the way you think. Today's thoughts, what I'm about to share with you, I know it's not all like hyper shouty and stuff like I normally am, but this is like, I hope it's helping you because this is real stuff that we're all dealing with. And so what I'm about to share with you is probably going to be the toughest thing to accept out of this entire series. The steps I'm going to give you to deal with relational baggage in fact, a lot of you are going to you're going to miss the opportunity today because you're just going to say I'm not willing to go there. I'm not willing to do it. Our culture actually moves us towards revenge. And actuality, it's actually a it's a popular business, the revenge business. I I got on Google while I was preparing for this message. <laughs> you would not believe some of the stuff I found on the internet. To help people get revenge. I found an entire company with a website that if you pay them enough money, 
they will do almost anything you want them to to get revenge on someone who's hurt your feelings. They will, they will Photoshop pictures and release them out on the internet. Like, not good pictures. They will mail inappropriate things to your house. They'll make up stories about you and send it to your spouse. I mean, just, I mean, you name it, they will do it. And they, they swear that it's all legal, of course, sure. But it's actually, like, people are making money on revenge in our culture. How messed up is that? There was one, I saw one, there was one website where you could, this company would go out into a field and scoop up a cow chip. You know what a cow chip is? It's cow poop. It's dried cow poop. Put it in a box and mail it to the person that you want revenge on. What is that? The only person that that's messing with is the postman. (laughs) I'm not going to do anything. It doesn't even smell once it's dried. What are you doing? Revenge. It's real business. Our Our culture tells us that that's... In fact, this one website I was on had this whole... It had a whole page, a whole several paragraphs on why getting revenge is healthy for you. Why you should do it. Asking questions like, why should they be, why should the person who hurts you get off scot-free? They ought to have a little bit of pain in their life too. Everybody needs to have some pain in their life. What? What? But it's real. It's real. They're making enough money to keep the website going. It's real. So what do we do about it? What do we do about the hurt? And I just want to warn you, what I'm going to share with you is going to feel counterintuitive. But it'll help you if you're willing to go there. And the first thing you've got to do is you've got to reveal the hurt. Reveal the hurt. Reveal it. Your life will be better when there's someone else in your life who knows what you're going through. If you, if you weren't here back when we did a, a relationship series, Joel did an incredible job talking about the importance of having relationships in your life. And we talked about how Really, you need to have two or three people in your life that you can say anything to. Guys, you need to have some guys in your life that you can say anything. I've got, a, I've got some guys that are on speed dial on my phone that I can pick up the phone and I can say anything to. Anything I'm struggling with, anything I'm dealing with, I know that it's going to be met with care and concern and compassion and prayer, not with judgment, not with any negativity. They're going to help me walk through whatever it is I'm walking through. Ladies, you need to have some ladies. This is one of the reasons why we put so much emphasis on small groups in our church. New semester starting next week. Alex is going to tell you about it in just a second. You need to be in a small group. Why? Because that small group is that place where you can go and some other people can know the junk that you're dealing with. Because you need to have that. You've got to have some people that you can that you can say anything to. You've got to be able to reveal the hurt. Look at Psalm 32, verse 3. It says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Psalm 39, 2. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. As I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew. I actually typoed that on my notes, so I hope the copy and paste to all of you is not also typoed. It is. 
Not even peeking. I don't even know what that means. All right. Good job, Smith. It's speaking, okay? I know. It's wrong everywhere. Way to go, true life. That's excellence for you right there. All right. <laughs> That'll be brought up in lead team tomorrow. I'm going to get roasted. All right. As I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. And if you're not careful, that verse, the correct version of it, will become your life. When, you, when you're in turmoil, you've, you've got to have some people that you can go to and deal with it. Because if you don't, it's just gonna, it's going to grow worse. It's going to get worse. And that verse, it can become your life. So you've got to reveal the hurt. The second thing you've got to do is release. Now, this is the big one. Release the people involved. Release them. Let them go. They don't, they don't owe you anything anymore. You've got to be able to go, I'll let it go. I'm releasing the person that hurt me. I'm, I'm going to let it go. Some, some, you might be confused because I talked about my dad and my stepdad. My parents got divorced in, in middle school. My relationship with my dad was interesting because even though he's my dad, he's not technically my biological father. He signed his name to my birth certificate when I was a little kid. So legally, he's my father. But but I was like three when he and my mom got married. Never met my biological father. So obviously that created some relational baggage right there. And then my dad, during the years that they were married, he had come from a horrible childhood, a horrible background. You talk about relational baggage. This guy had it. And so our, our home was just, it was a war zone all the time. Cursing, fighting, throwing things. In fact, one time I had four, I've told the story before, four perfect holes in my forehead where I got a fork thrown at me at dinner one time. I mean, it was just a perfect one, two, three, four. Funny now, not then, kind of ticked off then. And, and so just, I mean, just lots of, and so I was, I held a lot of anger towards my dad and they got divorced. It wasn't until I was married and in my, my mid, in my twenties that I was able to kind of learn about the way my dad grew up. And I started to understand why he was the way he was. And God brought me to a place where I was able to release him from all of that. And he, and God actually helped us find some areas where we could find some common ground. And when my dad passed away, I can tell you, we like, we loved each, we were close. I saw God transform my dad's heart to, to a man who was gentle and soft and loved God with all his heart. He went from this, this person who had anger and rage to getting articles written about him in his newspaper because he would just he would cook all day and then load up the food and deliver it to shut-ins and people who couldn't get out of their house. And, and he loved to cook, and that was the thing we connected on. I've got handwritten recipes, whole books that my dad sent to me, and none of that could have happened. That relationship could have never been repaired, and I would still be carrying around baggage from that today if God hadn't helped me understand, I've got to release him. I've got to release him from it. Listen, if Jesus Christ can release you from your sins, you can release others from the sins they've committed against you. You can do it. You've got to get there. Release the people involved. Look at, uh, uh, number one, let me tell you another story. My, my daughter, she had her first kind of issue. She's in kindergarten. This is her first year in school. And she had her first kind of like, the little boy that 
that maybe she's not getting along with. And, uh, and, and um, my, my daughter, she's, she's, I think she's pretty well behaved. In fact, we've been told so far she's doing good. And so she tells us, this is one of the boys in the class that's not a listener. He just doesn't listen. And he always wants to mess with my pigtails and knock over my lunchbox and blah, blah, blah. So we, we had a moment the other day on the way to school. And I just said, Sarah, how many chances should we give him to, to, to get it right and to become your friend? How many chances should we let him have? And she said, a lot? I said, what about as many as it takes? She's like, yeah, that sounds good. So let's just decide right now. There could come a day where, where he could figure it out. Maybe he'll become a good listener, and this little boy could even become your friend. Are you going to be able to forgive him for all the times? And we had a teachable moment. But parents, you need to talk about this stuff with your kids early and often. Otherwise, they're going to grow up keeping score and carrying relational baggage. And I don't want that for her. So, and I love it. We got to the place where we agreed in the car on the way to school, and we even prayed for him before we went into school that day. We prayed for this little boy that he would have a great day. And, and she even said by the end of the week that it was getting better. Come on, somebody. We've got to be willing to release. The, I know it's just little kids. But you know, my flesh, when, he, when she said he was messing with me, knocked over my lunchbox, pulling on my pigtails, my flesh bowed up, man. I was like, I'm going to find that boy's daddy. <laughs> but we can't do that. We've got rele- to release. We've got to release people. My luck, he's a professional wrestler or something. All right. Look at Matthew 18, 21. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? I'm like, like, Peter knows seven's a holy number. So he's like, watch this. I'll get this one right. Seven? And Jesus says, no, not seven, but 70 times seven. And what Jesus is really trying to say is you just got to keep forgiving as many times as you need to. Here's the thing. Forgiveness isn't for the person you're forgiving. It's for you. It's for you. You got to release people. First Peter 2.23. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. I'm making up words today. Nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. You know what I've found is when I bring relational baggage into my own hands to try to deal with it i'm gonna mess it up because i want to get even i want it to i want it to be fair in my eyes but you know we can live a life without baggage and with a lot more peace if we learn to leave it in god's hands and know that at the end of the day he judges fairly and he'll get it right he's incapable of getting it wrong so we just got to release now I, i know i know what i'm saying here this is you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know how ugly my divorce was. You got to release them. You got to let it go. You don't know how bad the abuse was. You don't know what happened to me. Jesus does. He knows. And if he were standing here today, he would tell you, you got to figure out how to release them. You got to let it go. Forgiveness will bring freedom to your heart and your life. Here's the third thing that you need to do to deal with the relational baggage. You need to reveal the hurt, release the people involved, and finally refocus on God's plan for my life. Refocus on God's plan for my life. I love the story of Joseph. You know, his brothers betrayed him. They throw him in a pit. They sell him off as a slave. And years later, 
he, he becomes to a place of prominence, and he has an opportunity for revenge on his family. And look what happens in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And I would just say to you today, whatever baggage you're carrying, however painful it may be, what the enemy intends for evil, God can make good. And there, there, there is gonna be, there's going to be a perfect ending to your story if you'll refocus on God's plan for your life. Look at Job eleven thirteen. Put, I love this, put your heart right. Reach out to God. Then face the world again. Put your heart right. The band is going to come. Reach out to God. Then face the world again. Firm and courageous. Then all your troubles will fade from your memory like floods that are past and remembered no more. Would you close your eyes this morning? Because that is my prayer for you today, that you'd be able to put your heart right before God. Put your heart right. Reach out to God. You'll be able to face the world again. Deal with the relational baggage. Let's, let's put it down today. Let's lay it down and let it go. Say, Michael, I-